Macarion to Stokes, who's onside. Wide out. Here's Sims to put Stokes this from Southampton. They could finish the job here. It's Shane Long, and he has done it. Just a minute to play. That's stoppage time. Here's Letizia. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Saints FC podcast. My name is John Bailey um, and uh, this week I've got an absolute treat uh, for you. Um, rather than talking about Saints, a rather disappointing loss to Liverpool at the weekend with Tom, instead I've got a fantastic interview with Mr Paul Jones, um, a Saints goalkeeping um, legend hero uh, you know one of the one of the um, longest running keepers uh, for Saints certainly in recent years made over 200 appearances for the Saints uh, kept over 50 clean sheets one player of the year back in 97 98 um, and even was the first goalkeeper to be substituted on in an FA Cup final so I managed to speak to Paul um, we have a good old chat and the great news is we get to come around to a lot of your listener questions as well. Um, so if you sent me a, a question, whether it was on email, Twitter, Reddit, uh, on the Saints forum, wherever you like to interact with the Saints FC podcast, uh, do a little, have a little listen in. Uh, your question's probably in there. Um, if it isn't, thank you very much anyway. Um, and I hope that you enjoy the interview. Anyway, let's uh, let's head over you know, to about a month ago when I phoned up Paul Jones. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saints FC podcast. Um, I am absolutely delighted uh, to have on the line uh, Mr. Paul Jones, uh, Saints goalkeeping legend. Uh, he made over 200 appearances uh, for Southampton, keeping over 50 clean sheets. He won Player of the Year during the 97 to 98 season, um, and he became the first ever goalkeeper to be subbed on in an FA Cup final back in 2003. He was Welsh international keeper for nine years, and he even beat Ryan Giggs to Welsh Player of the Year, who I think was pretty much always had his name on the trophy every season. Um, Paul James was the, the first choice keeper for the Saints from 1997 to 2004. Um, you know, basically five straight seasons playing under Dave Jones, Glenn Hoddle, Stuart Gray, Gordon Strachan, and a couple of slightly less successful managers as well. Dave, uh, Paul, it's absolutely brilliant to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining us. How, how are you feeling today? Yeah, it's a pleasure, Sean. Yeah, yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Um, so, Paul, I'm just going to get kind of stuck into the questions. I, I wonder if we can start right at the beginning of your Southampton career. What, what were your memories of joining Southampton or, or finding out about the interest that Southampton had in you before you signed for us? Yeah, well, uh, obviously, 1996, 97, I was at Stockport, um, which we don't want to mention too much, obviously coming down to the Dell and beating the Saints in the quarterfinal of the Cup. 
Um, but I think I did um, Dave Jones for starters to to the chairman and so on in Southampton and the way we played and so on. And Dave got offered the job in the in the summer um, after Graham Soon's leaving, and then Dave Jones brought me down um, with him down to obviously down to the Saints, which was. It was a bit of a shock, to be honest, as in um, the fact that you know to get a chance to Premier League so quickly after dropping down from the Championship down to League One myself at the time. And um, but it was it was magnificent. I really enjoyed it. And as I say, Dave Dave sort of took us down in ninety ninety seven. Yeah. Yeah. So so Dave obviously had great faith in you um, and brought you along. What was it like going into the Saints dressing room, kind of being the new managers? Yeah, new signing. Did you feel like a little bit of an outsider at first, or, or did you settle in quite quickly? Yeah, I mean, it is strange when you go into a new changing room. Um, obviously, coming from a lot lower league as well, um, you always got to sort of you know you have in the back of your mind that you've got to try and uh, impress in training and so on, just to sort of say you know good enough to be in the dressing room. But I mean, the lads are brilliant. You know, it's such a good group of lads together. Um, they're so welcoming. It made it very easy, to be honest, and um, certainly very quickly, to be fair. Yeah, I've, I've got a question from a listener here about um, your early time at Southampton. Um, he's a chap that goes by the name of Muckers. So you know, when people send in their their <laughs> questions online, you only get the the kind yeah, of fake yeah. name and not the real name. Um, but yeah. he he remembers when you first arrived at the Saints, that there's a little bit of a, a rough time from a small section of fans. I don't know if you if you rem- particularly remember this or how you kind of got over this negativity with the fans when, when you first arrived. Um, I, I don't remember, really, to be honest. You know, I just wanted to go out there and, and, and try and impress as I say, um, certainly with the, the lads. And if I remember rightly, I think my first game at Dale, the first game was Bolton at home and, as much as we lost one nil, quite a decent game, I think, at the time. Um, I think probably because obviously Dave Best was there, Mike Taylor, two very good goalkeepers, so maybe the fans, you know, it was this guy coming from lower league as such, um, so maybe that you know, just didn't see a great deal before that, maybe a couple of um, sort of pre-season friendly. So, you know, fans have the options and opinions, and sometimes some just pick up something straight away. Do you know what I mean? So. You know, I know, obviously myself, it takes time to settle in, as we say, at the club. Um, but I, I was just loving being being in, you know, in the Premier League and just wanted to go out there. And I think, obviously, at the end of the season, I must have done something right because I'm a player of the year, as you mentioned earlier. So yeah. it obviously turned around somehow. <laughs> um, I, mean, I, I doubt you would have had any kind of um, questions about joining Southampton, obviously, because it was a big step up from Stockport uh, at the time. Did you ever worry that... You know, going into the Premier League would be too big a step, or were you totally confident in your ability that you could do it? Well, I think I think um, obviously the run we'd had with Stockport, as I mentioned, about the same, and we played Middlesbrough, West Ham, Blackburn, who were all in the Premier League at the time, and I performed very well against them for Stockport. So I think I was sort of you have that feeling of you know you can then you can sort of compete at that level, and I've done very well. I know there are only three or four games, but. Um, you know, I was I was sort of around the area of obviously then getting to the Welsh side as well, or Welsh squad. So you're playing with top players at that time as well. So, you know, you sort of have an idea and you just want to go out and, and try and perform. And obviously Dave Jones had a massive confidence in me after signing me sort of twice within a few, within a year or so. So 
um, it was just down to me then just to go out and, and perform and, and, and do the right things, which, you know, so I did at the time. So, Yeah. And um, Lambert and Ernie, uh, which is another, I think, kind of fake name play on Bert and Ernie from <laughs> Sesame Street. Um, yeah. You know, he, he wonders kind of which the best coaches or best managers that you've worked under. Um, and, and he wonders if, you know, particularly on that, if there's any coaches that brought in anything that could be described as revolutionary and, and perhaps changed the way you approach football. Um, I, I think, diff- again, sort of different times. Obviously, they brought me in, um, did very well. We got on very well as people as well. Uh, Management wise, Dave was very good with the players. Um, obviously, the situation with Dave with, with being released or putting card in leave, as it was called at the time, is a matter. But I think Glenn Hoddle came in. Who's, I mean, to be fair to Glenn, is, is, is fantastic on the training ground. His, his technique, even then himself, showing the midfield players and Matty Oakley certainly improved when Glenn came in. But his ability to change games and so on, uh, man management probably not the strongest point. Um, and then Strachan came in, he was a fiery Scotchman that, you know, wanted to win every game and get the ball in the box and so on. So you always have different sort of, different times of, of different managers, slightly different, you know, uh, obviously want the same thing, but in different, slightly different ways. But I think, I think the biggest thing for me at the time, certainly when Dave brought me down, he brought in a goalkeeping coach called David Coles, uh, it was very good, and I've never really had a goalkeeping coach full time as bits and bobs when I was at Stockport and Wolves and so on. But Dave coming, Dave Cole's coming full time, and he was brilliant to work with. Um, he's so enthusiastic as well. Um, it just gives you that confidence day in day out working with a goalkeeper. Yeah, you know, I might be in an hour before. We sort of used to go out in a little bit earlier before the team, so I have 45 minutes an hour um, coaching one to one with the with the goalkeeping coach. And then that also breeds confidence in you as well, you know. And I think that's that's just it's a great part. I mean, now it's every club's got a goalkeeping coach, but you're talking of, you know, 20 years ago, it was virtually unheard of for a professional or you know to have a professional full-time goalkeeping coach. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of wonder that because um, obviously I think the experience as a footballer as being a goalkeeper is quite different from an outfield player because I suppose in in many ways you're a little bit isolated from the two I, I mean I wonder how how does it work as a goalkeeper coming in you know do you get the same camaraderie with the rest of the players who are obviously training together and playing together all the time or do you almost have your kind of I've heard it being called like the goalkeepers union type where yeah. the two or three goalkeepers that you have in the squad you're all kind of you know best mates but also fierce rivals because you spend all of your time together yeah, I mean, I mean that that is part of it. I, I wouldn't say you know was we only had a like as I just said earlier an hour an hour or so by ourselves early on, and you train with the team, and obviously in your dressing room with all the teams. So yeah. you're not really you know you're not stuck at like a sore thumb out by yourself. You have that camaraderie with the club uh, with the sorry with the squad and the team and the change room any, anyway. But yes, just going back to the goalkeepers union as such we used to call it. You know, there used to be probably two or three goalkeepers, and you used to work hard. You know, realise what you know what you had to do to to be sort of the, the top level as you could. And, you know, we're all, we were only really fighting for one place, but I think we all appreciate, and, and you ask most goalkeepers now, you, you understand what such a hard work job it is. Um, so it's, it's no good the other two lads, if you, if you like, I'm going to swear now, toss, tossing it off as such that you can't, you can't uh, perform you know, day in, day out. 
yourself. So yeah. there is that camera that realised that, hang on a minute, we're working here to try and get the best out of each other. Yeah. Um, so it's quite interesting. I mean, you mentioned that Dave Jones is a very good man manager. Um, and then obviously he had to go on his gardening leave to, to defend himself. And then Glenn Hoddle came in. What did you guys think of Glenn Hoddle coming in? Because at the time, he'd very much fallen out of grace uh, after being the England manager, um, but not really for his abilities as a footballing coach, more that kind of man management side and, and perhaps some of his more bizarre methods. We, how, how, how did the team, what, what did you feel like when you knew Hoddle was interested in becoming Saints manager? Yeah, we sort of really come out of the blue, obviously, wiped to Dave, and then pretty quickly um, it sort of changed over, really. And, and as I say, I, I mean, I remember Glenn was a, a fantastic player. I mean, I don't think anybody can disagree with that. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, the England situation is always a bit bizarre. So, um, but personally, and most of the lads thought, okay, you know, he's, he's come out, we know he's a good player, we know he's a good coach. He's come out of that situation. You know, you give him a chance, and to be fair, as I say, he got, he got us playing some great stuff at the time. You know, I'm very disappointed when he left. I think we were about eighth and pretty close to being in the sort of points-wise in the top, you know, Europe, Europe top four or five for the European position when he left. So, um, you know, he, he came across. I mean, we improved, definitely. I mean, the, the team improved uh, technically, as I mentioned earlier. Matt Ioki absolutely leaps and bounds, the midfield players especially. Um but unfortunately, as I say, he disappeared to Spurs, which you half understand, I suppose, being a, a legend at Spurs. Yeah, and what was, you know, what was it that changed it? Was it his technical ability and his way to work with the midfield and the improvement he made in that part of the team that meant Saints were able to kind of step up, I suppose, after Dave left? Yeah, I, I think, I think, I think it just, yeah, it just had that little bit of. That little bit extra in mid- midfield, certainly for us, the, the idea of what the way the boys worked. And, and to be fair, a couple of times tactically-wise, he, he changed things and we won games from those little changes, which, as I said, Dave did very well. We, you know, I think we finished 12th the first season, if I remember right, with Dave, and we were doing okay, um, unfortunately, left as such. So I think I think Glenn just took it on another level. You know, Dave didn't have a chance to do that, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, you know, we'd never know, but, but I think Glenn obviously just took it on another level. Work with what we've got. I can't remember if we've got one or two players in as well. And, and then, you know, we just improved from there. Um, you know, we were on a hell of a run, as I say, when, when he left. I think she was, I was on the run of seven clean shoes, if I remember rightly. Yeah. Um, until we played Ipswich on the, on the Monday night. But, um, yeah, which my mate is a big Ipswich fan, always reminds me. <laughs> yeah. Well, perhaps uh, now's a good time to talk about that run of seven clean sheets because that was a, a bit of a long standing record for Saints until Fraser Forster. Um, nicked it the other day. What, what do you remember of that run? Um, I mean, uh, early on, you, you don't really think much about it. You obviously want to keep it shit every game. That's your point of the end of the day, you're starting in home now. Um, that, that's your idea of the back four myself, always looking to, to keep clean sheet. But as you get one, two, three, you know, it, it's a great feeling to, <clears throat> you know, whether you're winning games or not, you know you're picking something up. We were very strong at the back at that time with um, obviously Klaus Dean, Dean Richards at St. Ralph's, um, a member right at Bridgie and Dodsey mainly right back, left back. So, you know, as a, as a five, as such, we were very strong and obviously the boys in front of doing the jobs as well. Um, I mean, as time went on, then it was almost like, well, we're not going to see the goal anyway. You know, you've got that feeling which after four or five games, it, it's, it's, a, 
it's almost like a bizarre feeling because not I'd, I'd had that much before where we had a long run of clean sheets. You know, you'd have one or two and then obviously a goal in or so on. But it, it's almost after five games, you're like, well, you're not going. You know, next week, no, I'm not, you know, and it's, it's sort of gives you that confidence of that. And I'm so unfortunate at the time when we did lose two trips. But, um, I think Glenn left at the weekend before Jefferson and then Stewart's took over. But whether that was a bit of a come down from ourselves of being disappointed that Glenn left, I don't know, really. Yeah. And how did you guys get on with Stuart Gray? Because um, from the fans' perspective, it, it felt a little bit like Stuart Gray's time at Saints was, it was a bit of a damp squib. And, and it was a bit of a shame because it felt like a really big time for the club. You know, there was a real change from going to the Dell to St. Mary's with you guys playing so well, looking like we might start qualifying for Europe. And, and it, it felt like Saints were kind of almost stepping up to become that slightly bigger club and then yeah. under Stuart Gray things just kind of went backwards a little bit yeah I, th- I think I mean it's difficult I mean Stuart's a great coach talking about coaches earlier Stuart for the, for the lads were brilliant he, he, he worked so well he, coaches are, are a funny breed because obviously you've got the manager obviously is the manager and uh, you can you have a little bit of rapport with him but they have to have a point where it's a cut off with a coach um can be one of your mates almost, do you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, he's got to keep trying to keep 24, 25 players happy. Um, and then he's obviously stepped up to be manager. It's a little bit, he's almost got to break away a little bit. And it's all must be very different. It's very rarely you get a, a, a coach at a club and then takes over and continues on and being a top manager. Because I think you always have that, as I said, players have got that rapport with the coach. But now it's got to be, you know, slightly different because, as I say, he's got to make decisions that's going to, at the end of the day, you need to pick 11 players. You're going to have that confrontation, if you like. Whereas a coach, he doesn't, you know, he puts his arm around someone or gives him a dude up the arse, if you like, come on, you know, there's no real comeback on that. When you're a manager, obviously there's always that, that pressure of a, you know, he's got, he's got to pick teams and, and so on. So I think that's probably, I mean, he did very well, you know, to Sheffield Wednesday and done bits there, but, I think it's always it's always difficult when you've been sort of a, a number two to actually step into a to a top manager's job. I think. Yeah, it's it's a good point. There's I can't really think off the top of my head of too many managers that have managed to make that step up particularly successfully. No, yeah. Um, so obviously Gordon Strachan comes in after Stuart Gray. I imagine he was one for the kick up the arse type. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Um, he was a fiery Scotsman, or he is a fiery Scotsman still. Um, no, I mean, Strax was brilliant, to be fair. I got, I got him well. I mean, he's one of those, you could have an argument with him, but next minute it's fine. You know what I mean? He, he wanted to win every game. You could see that as a player. I mean, he played himself to his 40, I think, from him broadly. Um, and, and he came across, I mean, to be fair, we, we never, we certainly worked our butts off, to be fair, with him. We used to run every Monday morning, which, was a killer. The lads used to come into the training ground there. Now when he walking on the Monday morning, when news was wrong on Saturday, it didn't matter. And you'd have a post on the corner, six yard box, or two, two sorry, two one end and two the other. And you knew you were doing like, um, I can't remember what you called it, but like laps on stuff. Fifteen, where you have to do it in a certain time, and if you didn't, you have to do it again. And, so, and it was just like, oh my god! But <laughs> I mean, we were so fit. To be fair, I mean, we won certainly that first year or two. We won a lot of games late on. And the boys are very fit, and, and you know it's, it's different managers again. Are different. You know, Glenn was more of trying to do a small five size to get you fit that way, but football fit, as I call it. Yeah. And, and as much as obviously Gordon did did stuff like that, but 
a lot of it was also running. I mean, we did a lot of running. As soon as you finished training, we do sort of certain running drills again, and, and boys were hanging on till after training. But you know, fitness-wise, it was it was, it was amazing. Living the lads were really fit. To be fair, and I say it, it sort of proved up in one game later on, really. Yeah, I do, I've spoken to quite a few ex-players now doing this um, podcast. And there does seem to be almost every manager almost has his own kind of like style, whether it's, you know, the fitness or whether it's someone who focuses on the tactics or someone who's a, a man manager. Um, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could kind of get a manager who has all of those things in, in buckets? But, but perhaps yeah. it, it's just impossible to have all of that, you know, in one person. And I think perhaps yeah. this is why a team kicks on quite well when you bring in someone who is slightly different because the previous yeah. manager sourced out the tactics and... That's right. I, th- I think it's, I mean, even, uh, I mean, now I've, I think it's, it must be very difficult to man management or, or sorry, to management now um, because no disrespect to foreign bodies, but you you have a lot of foreign lads now coming in to different cultures, um, mix, mixing with the British and so on, which, so you've got to try and balance the two, you know, and it must be very difficult. Obviously we had Klaus and um, Michael Svensson and Anders and so on, you know, those boys, but they were Scandinavian boys that were pretty much very similar. I think now with a lot of the, you know, a lot of the boys that have come in from, you know, a number of different, different um, countries, the Brazilians and so on, it, it's a different culture of that way and, it, and it's very difficult to try and get everybody blending together. And, you know, the managers can do it, fair play to them, but as I say, it's very difficult. You know, the likes like Mark Hughes now at Stoke, they finished ninth, you know, the last three years and all of a sudden he's brought in several top players and it's not performed and, you know, he didn't get the sack, you know, so it's it's amazing how it's difficult it is and you see, you know, week in, week out virtually as soon as we manage to sack somewhere. Yeah, I, I suppose, I mean, you played football at a time when there was a lot of change, certainly in the Premier League. I mean, from the 90s, we have players that talk about, you know, having pints with the fans and, you know, everyone would go out after games and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we're moving into the 2000s and we've got sports science and sports um, psychology. You had managers like Arsene Wenger coming in. He, he kind of really revolutionised the way training and players looked after themselves. I mean, what what was it like? I mean, did did you prefer the kind of like 90s at the start of your career when you could have a pint and perhaps the diets weren't monitored? And, and, and what was it like going through that transition period and having all those new players and yeah. new methods come in? Yeah, I mean, I, I joined Wolves. I mean, I didn't turn pro until I was 24, so I did it two months before that. And then obviously I went to Wolves. And I mean, Wolves lads had, had a culture in the 90s. It was literally... They were trading in the morning, go out for a beer in the afternoon, which I never got involved with because I, I never drunk to be fair at that time at all. So, um, and I had a very young family then, so I'd literally do my training and go home. But a lot, a lot of those boys then, and as you say, as the family got bigger and better and um, social media started to come on, on board as well, I think, you know, A, you could realise you couldn't play it um, week in, week out, and the fantastic sort of speed and level it was getting to. Uh, you know, uh, and be obviously the science side to come into, as you said, um, to, to try and get you making, you know, a putting the right fuel in. Which I mean, remember we used to finish the games and we had fish and chips or chicken and chips, a couple of beers on the coach, you know, and, and that started to go out the window. You having pasta, water, and so on. So um, I, I think for my personal career, it helped because obviously I didn't finish playing until I was forty, which I think 
if you sort of get the fish and chips and so on, you, you know, probably couldn't go on that long. But I, I certainly think that that's a, one side has improved it. And the Arsene Fingers and so on that came in originally in the 2000s, around that time, that sort of brought that that um, that in with the, the French boys and so on there. And, you know, you've got to be sort of talking about it, really. I think that's certainly something that's improved. Um, you know, so the speed we gain now, well, what was a lot quicker. I'm not so sure last year or two. It seems to be going backwards and sideways for me, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think almost the next thing is going to be managers who are experts in motivating teenage millionaires, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, uh... <laughs> well, that's, that's, I mean, again, that is another part of man management, you know, yeah. they're getting paid so much money now and don't get me wrong, we, we got paid well and, and that's, you know, each, each, if you talk of each sort of different kind of 70s, 80s, 90s and so on, you know, over that, that era, they were paid very well to you, you, your job jobs, if you like, yeah. So, of um, guys that are working, you know, in factories and so on. So whatever time you, whatever decade, you know, we have been paid very well. But, but I mean, now it's it just seems, I mean, guys on two, three hundred thousand pounds, it's just ridiculous. And is the football any better? You know, I don't think, I don't think you could say much better. I would say. <laughs> um, but you know, as a player, you're not going to say no. I don't want that much. I'm going to take, you know, X, Y, Z. So it's. You thought the time, the times have obviously sky have made it massive globally now with the Champions League and so on. So, and again, for the manager point of view, that's very hard to deal with. You know, you have got to try and keep these players up. I think, I think the players have got more power now with obviously um, agents and so on. You know, if they're not picked, they have a moan up and want to try and leave the club. You know, to sort of know that a they're going to get paid the, the money and b they put money up elsewhere. I mean, again, when we were playing. We used to have a nice salary, but we also got money to play, you know, which is, you know, whether it be, say, 2,000, 10,000, whatever it was in your contract. Yeah. It gave you an edge to wanting to play, you know. As, as much as I love playing football, I knew if I played, you know, the extra couple of games in a month, that helps you salary to help your family, you know. Where now, I think that's pretty much sure of saying that that's just getting it front, whether it's 60, 80, 100,000. And often not even in the squad, you know. It's, yeah. It's, it's a bizarre way of, way of doing it. There's no encouragement for them to play, as in, I think it is more of a celebrity thing than having a, a love of football. And when you look at some of the games, where they do, just, I watched a West Ham game yesterday in Shrewsbury, and went, oh, bloody hell. You know, these are special premiership players that didn't look like they wanted to be there at all, you know. Yeah, I mean, we've Sorry, certainly seen it. Uh, uh, no, no, it's, it's interesting to hear, and I, I think it kind of um, resonates with Saints fans, certainly this season. Um, you know, Virgil van Dijk having had his head turned by Liverpool in the summer. Yeah. Um, you know, was yeah. a shadow of his former self for the for the first half of the season for Saints, and it is so frustrating yeah. to see, you know, the team is struggling to get the results, and knowing what that man is capable of if he's putting in the effort yeah, exactly. and, and just seeing him, you know, half-hearted efforts, it's, it's very upsetting as a fan, you know, and as a fan, you're investing your hard-earned money to, to go to the games. You know, you can be, especially if you're taking family members, you're spending well over a hundred quid Absolutely. a oh, game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Absolutely. It's about buying a drink and a bit of food or so on. Yeah. It is yeah. You know, extortion. Now. And I, do, I do feel for fans at the end of the day. It's just, you know, to, you know, to, to turn up 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, whatever, you know, the club, whichever club you are, you know, 
it's phenomenal that you know they've virtually sold that every every week. So, yeah. Um, but, but people literally do save their money to do that, and as you say, on the pitch they should be giving 100 percent all the time. But well, I'm just going briefly again yesterday the West Ham, and you just look at them and think, my God, I don't know if you saw the game. Wow, it was just like they did not want to be there, you know, some of the players. Yeah. It was just like it was shocking, really. It's, it's upsetting to see as well. I mean, especially as, as a fan, I absolutely love the FA Cup as well, and it really upsets me when you see yeah. see the players that that don't care about it. Um, anyway, right. I, I think we should stop having a moan and we should move on to some of your yeah. career highlights. <laughs> um, so, obviously, you played at Saints, um, you know, as first choice keeper for five straight seasons. There'll be plenty of, of highlights from that. I wonder if you can pick out some particular matches um, or times at the club that that really stand out for you. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think I mentioned the first game. Obviously, playing at the Dow, and obviously, as much as we lost the game, Bolton won the alone. But my first Premiership game was amazing to sort of, you know, get in there and start start doing the job. Um, and then my first time, obviously, probably most people know, I'm a, I'm a Liverpool fan as a boy, so to go to Anfield and beat them three two was was a, a fantastic result. A couple of days myself, but um, you know, we went there to, to win at Anfield was it's just awesome that, that first season again um, you know and just just general I mean I can't remember many more games that season but again that run of seven clean sheets it was just phenomenal really as a, as a club of Southampton size of being in the Premier League at that time with Dell and so on so to go seven games on A on Boone but was keeping clean sheets was was tremendous um, I'm just trying to think but obviously the semi-final of the FA Cup um, that that was pretty amazing uh, Villa Park um, to, to play in that and then obviously to beat Watford um, to to one again a couple of decent saves uh, that, that, that goes so down think, as one of my favourite days ever really that, that FA yeah, Cup semi-final I mean, oh it was it was it was, it was just obviously you know you, you heard of the years and obviously 76 to, to to get to the final and that's what you want to do so there's nothing worse I'm sure well, I've been at once Losing the semi-final with Stockport, there's nothing worse than you know losing the semi-final. So actually, you know, to go there and obviously the um, to get to the cup final is absolutely amazing. Um, but probably the Man United game as well, three-three um, at uh, Old Trafford. That was a that was a bit bizarre game, really. I, I remember I made a cracking double save um, just before the first goal, and then yeah. he obviously went on and, and then Matt hit his daisy cutter, which went through. Uh, um, I mean, just, I'm sure there's many other games, that have, um, penalty saves and things like that. It's yeah. times which I'm, I remember Captain Dalway, you know, which was I think I remember one season. I think it said four out of five, and keeping right. So, so there's things like that. But it, it was just I used to love it. Honestly, it was just uh, oh, the Arsenal game. Obviously, the last one at the Dow that was pretty special in that scoring. Yeah, the winner uh, sort of set him up from a long goal kick, uh, uh, sorry, free kick outside the area, and then obviously know what, we know what Matt did. So, you know, you couldn't you couldn't uh, write that, could you? But Matt scored the last goal at the down. So yeah, and, and then obviously got to St Mary's, you know, which was a fantastic stadium. It is a fantastic stadium, and um, getting you know getting thirty odd thousand in there behind you week in week out was was pretty stunning as well. So very happy times. Obviously, the ending bit wasn't quite as happy, but. Obviously, that's the way football is in the day. So, yeah, I, I think um, for almost every football player, that that is the way their career goes, isn't it? At the end, yeah, it t- tends to I tail think off. It just comes to the point. 
Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's a, there's a point where things change, as you mm. said earlier, that you know, football moves on and things change. Managers make different decisions and so on. I mean, the biggest thing we might as well talk about right now, the biggest thing that I was disappointed about there was was Strax, and I did tell him a few times that he always said, you know, I've got two first team keepers now, and whoever's got shirts, you know, we'll, we'll stay in there. Which fine, you know, anti, anti, you know, I started and Anti got in and played very, very well, don't get me wrong. And then the second season, I think Anti got injured before before the Christmas period and I played four games. Um, I think two of them, I kept two or three clean sheets and we were really unbeaten, definitely. I remember um, the Newcastle game at home and so on. And then um, Anti was fit and he, and he just dropped me and uh, that was it. I mean, that was, that was it. I said, so, uh, you know, time for me to move on. You, you said, told me like literally months ago that whoever's got the shirt will stay in. But yeah, so that was sort of the end, end for me, really. That sort of November, December time. And obviously the following of the January after that, I, I left. So that, that was a big turning point for me. When he, when he, you know, not say he didn't keep his word, but he didn't keep his word, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that was, that was a disappointing thing for me. Yeah. I, d- I think it must always be, um, you know, quite tricky in that sort of situation as well when, when it is going like that. Um, yeah. Ante was a fantastic keeper as, as you were as well. And, um, I mean, what, what does it feel like when someone new comes in and, you know, you start training with Antti and you realise, well, hang on a second, this guy's pretty good as well, you know, but what, yeah. what am I going to well, do well, here? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'd had it, you know, whether do Wales or, you know, in, in, yeah, so much as I remember respecting Neil Moss, but Neil was a good second keeper, really, and Neil never really got to, to I mean, he played a few games, but um, I think Antti was the first real um, real competitor I had as such so you know it, it was great for me because at the end of the day that's what you want and as, it, as we said you, you know you work together um, you know it, it was just one of those situations when he, when he came in certainly the first season he seemed to stop everything um, more of a shot stopper than coming for crosses I used to like coming for crosses but you know again keepers are slightly different but um, yeah the phenomenal first season um, as I said the, the situation what happened with Getting in and playing while myself, and then not not being like uh, you know when he swapped it back, it sort of told me that it's time to move on. And obviously, I was I was getting to mid to late thirties, and I wanted to be playing. I didn't want to be sat on the bench. That um, where, you know, if I had a chance of playing week in week out. Yeah, but I suppose it in a way. I mean, I wonder, was it worth hanging around to be involved? You know, because that season where we got to the FA Cup final, um, despite the fact that at this point you were no longer the, the number one keeper all the time. You got to play in that fantastic FA Cup semi-final and then, um, you know, coming on in the, the cup final and the first keeper to ever do that. Yeah, I mean, again, that was a sort of a bitter bit taste, really, because obviously I, play, I played the semi-final and yeah. I've been injured. And I played probably the last five or six um, premiership games. And, um, and again, it... Uh, I'll tell you a little story that doesn't really matter, distracts those anyway, but we literally, we got down to Cardiff on the, uh, I think it was on a Thursday, if I remember rightly, so we were training Friday morning, and normally Wobby, the, the, the kit man would drop your kit on the Friday morning, would have been dropped outside the door, and you'd pick it up you know, just after 8, 8, 30, whatever you've done, you, you knew it would be there from about 8-ish. Um, anyway, I got a knock on the door about half past 8, something like that, and I just looked through the, the door, 
key hold and such. And it was strapping over my kit, you know, so I knew then that I wasn't going to be playing, you know, yeah. things. So he's li- I've literally opened the door and he's gone to say, I said, fuck off, basically, strapping. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> you ginger little tosser. So um, he took the kit off him and that was it, you know, because, you know, you, you, you know as a player that, Thing. But it, I mean, to be fair, Anti wasn't fit. That that was the biggest thing for me. That was a disappointing thing for me. He wasn't hundred percent. Yeah, you can see him training. He was labouring a bit. Um, so I, I was half expecting to come on anyway for myself because he just didn't look fit. And even in the warm up, he, you know, and that, and that was a big disappointment for me because at the end of the day, um, as I say, it was, it was at the Menham Stadium. You know, uh, it was an FA Cup final. Um, but, you know, to get up, come on, it was, yeah, it was, at the time, wasn't great, but nothing back, you know, it was great to be involved with the FA Cup final. As you say, the only keepers come on, and only keepers keep clean sheeting and not winning the FA Cup, so. Yeah. <laughs> Chris question, as we know. But, yeah, you know, it, it was a sort of, but again, that, that sort of sowed the seed a little bit, and then, I'd say, the following season, what, what happened with the, the November, December time, it was, I just felt that it was, it was time to move on as much as, you know, the, the the team was looking, you know, to win in Europe and so on. Um, I think sometime, because if I, if I was 28 or whichever, I would have stuck at it and, and see where it went, do you know what I mean? But I was thinking I was 37, 38 at the time, and you know, it comes to a point where you know you're not, you can't play week in, week out regularly in the Premier League for, as, a, as a first team keeper. So maybe it's a little bit either or, really, you know, whether Strax or that. But in the day, you know, for me, it was just sort of okay. Um, he's made his decision, so I think it's time for me to move on. Yeah, well, it's uh, great for you to kind of talk talk that through, and um, that's one of the questions which a lot of fans were very, very interested in, in thinking. You know, what you felt on that FA Cup final day. Um, so, yeah. you know, thanks to Sahari, Ross, and Buenos Aires Saint, who sent in questions about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I kind of wonder what what's it like, you know, at the kind of that tail end of your career you, know, you moved on um did you feel like you, it it was the kind of i mean obviously we've already mentioned that it wasn't the way that you wanted to kind of end your career did you feel like you, you were still kind of a premier league quality keeper and felt like you know you could you could get going again and obviously you had a little brief spell at liverpool and watford and qpr yeah, that's that's right well yeah i mean i i'm I, I also went to liverpool as you said so I played a couple of games, but there for the month, which was, to be fair, was um, awesome experience. As, as much as it, it was amazing, really, that they've always talked about the sort of top four or five clubs being slightly different in the Premier League. And you think, mm. how could it be different? But to be fair, it was. There was just something about even about the training, the, the quality of the training, the speed of the training. Yeah, you got the likes of Gerard, obviously Owen. Um, you know, Murphy. There's so many top players there. The training is. It was unbelievable to be honest. It was almost like I was in awe and watching it, and I was obviously watching from point of view. I was getting shot at, but you know, you know yeah. it, was, it was just a, um, amazing to be involved with that. Um, you know, I'll never forget that um, period. But you know, again, I wanted to be playing because the other side of that playing was obviously I was playing for Wales. We were, we were in or uh, having a very good uh, European Championship at that time, um, and we, we were well, at one stage we looked like we were going to. Qualified yeah. straight off, but obviously we had the, went to the playoffs. But um, so I needed to be playing for that as well. You know that that was the other big thing in my mind as as my last shot at a, a possible um, um, international tournament as well. So I just felt if I was not playing at Southampton, you know, 
and almost like wherever I was playing, I just wanted to play, you know, and obviously at the time I went to Wolves with Dave again, Dave Jones signed me for the third time and uh, went to Wolves and to be fair, we nearly escaped because they were struggling when I went and um, we we nearly did the bottom at the time, but nearly escaped from, from um, keeping them up, but we didn't quite, and obviously that, that season after that, um, things started to change. <laughs> Spookily, Glenn came in for Glenn Holden came in for Dave again, and yeah. managers, and that's when I went off to and Watford, and ended up he you know, went to QPR from there. So, um, and unfortunately, we lost to Russia one nil in in the playoffs. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, and it's weird because the QPR situation. I really enjoyed QPR sort of half a season when I went the sort of back end, and then it all sort of changed again the, the last season, and almost almost got to a point where it's, I mean, again, I was 40 and I've started to coach the Welsh, Welsh team. And so you almost got to a point where, well, I can't go on much longer. I'm in my 40s, all right, you, you might get another year or two, but it was a fact that's almost like, I've done my bit now, you know, and perhaps trying to give some, you know, experience of coaching. I started to coach a little bit at QPR and then obviously the, the, the Welsh and coaching sort of, much as he's part-time, full-time in the part-time, if you see what I mean. With, with the, yeah. The Wayne NC and the players that are coming through at, uh, at Wales. So it goes on, you, you know, you do go on to another stage of your career, whether it be in football or not, you know, in the day. Yeah. And uh, our listener, Benji, kind of wrote in to you know, ask about what it's like retiring as a professional football player and your involvement in coaching and, and whether you'd like to you know, become a full-time coach or a full-time manager or anything like that. Yeah. Um, no, <laughs> uh, no, definitely not. I, th- I think the man. I mean, I'd love to give you the managing side a go, to be honest. But I just, I just know from speaking. I mean, I won't mention some. Name, I won't mention names because it's not fair on them. But I'm speaking to managers that are not in the game anymore, and they, and they honestly, they just say, Do you know what, the players have so much power. You can't, you can't, you can't almost, you can't almost run the club because a, there's, there's someone above you normally that's buying players. Yeah. So you're getting players that you don't even or not know about. Obviously, you know about them, but you're getting players in that some guy up above you's bought as such. You know that that happens at clubs now. Um, you know, it's not they are not managers anymore. They're just literally a coach of you know, twenty twenty players or whatever. You know, there's no running of the mill as such. You know, the Harry Radnips of the years and those boys that have, have run clubs at the end of the day. I mentioned Harry, obviously it's Saints, but um, didn't go down too well. But you know, you know I mean, those sort of British managers that have run clubs over the years, you know, the Bill Shankleys and Bob Pays in Liverpool and yeah. obviously Fergie at Man United, you know, those boys have run the club from top to bottom. They know that the, you know, the, the, the window cleaner, the, you know what I mean? They, they know anything and everything about the club. Yeah. Where now, I wouldn't say they don't know those people, but, yeah, there is a different level now where they just coach the players, and I think that's probably why the foreigners have done so well with managers when they've come in because it is it's more of a foreign setup. That's what they do in you know, Spain's and Italy's and so on. So I, th- I think that's why it's been difficult for British managers to to sort of continue. You know, you've got your likes, your Hodgsons and Harrises yeah. and so on that've been around for donkey's years, but it must be very difficult for guys that are trying to get through and you know to, to actually. You know, to, to work that way, and as I say, I know one or two boys that I know very well that are so disillusioned with management that they won't even they won't even bother looking for a job anymore. You know, so it's just quite sad that way, really. Yeah, I, I have spoken to a couple of ex-players who have said that it's just very difficult to break into. Um, 
you know, a management sort of career yeah. and the coaching the manager will tend to have his own little coaching team that he takes from job to job yeah. to job so unless you manage That's to pick right, up one yeah. like that then then you kind of end up That's being right. left outside I think to be fair, I mean, my point of view coaching what goalkeeping my coaching obviously which I, I would do I mean I love the after I finished playing I went to the, to the Wales set up for five years I think it was which which is brilliant because it was part time so you know you're in sort of together three or four months of the year as, as such in total um, but also I had, I had a few offers to go full-time coaches at different clubs and, and to be fair it's 24-7 for the boys you know as well that's the other side of it you know the, the coaching the first team the coaching the reserves the coaching the, you know or going to find the next keeper that's supposed to come through and after being in the game from you know for, I joined it professionally late but I was playing from 16 and it was just nice to take a back seat as such and I've sort of got to a point where, um, to be fair, my right knee's not brilliant. So to train every day, I probably couldn't do that. Or coach every day, I probably couldn't do that anymore. So Yeah. You know, different, people have different situations where, you know, as much as I'd like to give the experience to, to guys, the fact that um, I couldn't physically do it properly for them would be a, a big no-no for myself as well, really. Okay. Um I'm going to get into more of our listener questions. I think we've, we've got about another 10 minutes yeah. left, so we'll go through these quite quickly. Yeah. Um, the most popular topic we had with our listeners coming in was uh, Fraser Forster with Pilchers, Mr. Gold, Baza, Owen, all asking questions about Fraser Forster. Um, you know, that I'll, I'll read the range of questions, but generally it's all about his form and, and what's happening with him, you know. Could you ask yeah. him if he has any advice for Fraser Forster on crosses and stopping goals flying in from outside the area? Um, Fraser Forster, is it a lack of confidence thing or is Forster being coached incredibly badly to go from you know the fringes of being England number one to looking like a liability and a shadow of his former self? And you know, just from a goalkeeper's perspective, what, what's gone wrong with Fraser? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've only seen Fraser once live, which is actually the season's Brighton, Brighton against Saints at Amex. So... Um, which actually, we've talked about crosses, yes, he come for some nice crosses that day, but the goal was a little bit, he almost got a little bit flat-footed. And yeah. I think sometimes, again, from the TV bits I've seen, and, and I do read things that the Saints people put on and so on about praise and that, I think sometimes his footwork, he just he, A, doesn't get him quite in the right starting position, and B, doesn't move his feet quick enough at times. Yeah. I mean, he's a big lad, he's six foot eight, is he seven, eight? Yeah. You know, which, so he's, I don't assume, I mean, is it Dave... Um, his coach at Saints and was I think I don't know if Dave's still there but, maybe, but maybe I, I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised they, you know, I'm sure they work on you know, comb work with foot, footwork and so on but but coming back to someone obviously just mentioned that maybe lack of confidence I mean he was playing so well until he got injured obviously 18 months or so ago um, so he's come back in and, and whether you know whether it is a little bit of lack of confidence just getting back into the games and so on um, it may be a little bit of everything I think I think in the way that you know Again, I think the team's chopped and changed a little bit in front of him. So, you know, that that's always a always a big thing. I, I was very lucky having um, pretty much the same back four for a long time at Saints, which which is brilliant because you, you get such a again keeping back to the seven clean sheet. You, you know, you have that rapport with the players of knowing what everybody does. You know, and, and when people are chopping and changing in front of you, sometimes that can put little doubts in your mind as well. Um, yeah, you know, so as well, there's a bit of that, and I've seen you know some of the longer longer ones go in. Not the shots from outside the box and so on, which again it just looks like he falls back a little bit. So mm. the big lad he needs to be trying to attack, attack the boy. He's a little bit using the feet, which I've seen noticed over the last few years has crept into a lot of goalkeepers using the using the feet. But in the, the day, you use your hands to catch the ball. And I don't want to understand what 
whether they've been coached this way or why they do that. And, you know, for me, I, was, I used to call BFB on the front foot, you know, whether you're an outfit player or a goalkeeper, it's the same thing. You, you know, you're trying to attack things, uh, whether it be crosses, even shots, you know. And you see quite a few, especially the Brighton one, because I, I saw that live. And I thought, I actually turned to the guy I was sat with watching it and started chatting and didn't realise it had gone in because I thought he'd just catch it, you know. Yeah. In the corner, but he almost fell back in the goal and it was like a bit bizarre, you know. And I just think, you know, he should be attacking that. That's I say, that's one I've, I've seen live. And at the time, that's what I thought. So... But I think, you know, overall, it's probably a little bit lack of confidence of what's in front of you, maybe. And then obviously, thing, things happen. And it normally falls on the goalkeeper if, if you're losing games that, you know, chopping and changing. And obviously, he's, he's been left out recently, which is um, McCarthy, isn't it? Yeah, McCarthy yeah, coming McCarthy. in. You know, which might just egg in the breather in the way that, okay, he's not playing and, you know, get some good, good training sessions under his belt and then obviously you know hope to come in and come fresh fresher maybe you know it happened to me once actually uh, I think it was 1999 and that period where I had a back operation then in 2000 it was and then I came back in I probably came back too quick to be fair and didn't start really me Hoddle left me out I had a couple of three weeks of real training and A annoying because I wasn't playing but B and then also you come back and you're fresh and you, you, you know, you're right at it again. As much as you don't want to admit to that at the time, you don't feel that. You know, maybe that's just something that's happened with him. He's pulled him out of it. You know, if, if and when he gets back in, hopefully he'll come back and and, and really give it his go again. Yeah, I, don't, I think you know the the points that you've picked up on there is almost like you have been watching Saints all season because it, it is that kind of flat-footedness and, and that confidence. And yeah. I ended up getting uh, tickets like right behind the goal. Uh, recently for a match which Fraser was playing in and I was actually quite surprised at how quiet he was with the defence in front of him you know for such a big oh, imposing yeah. man you'd really expect yeah. him to be commanding the the central defence and well that's exactly I mean that that's it and again maybe maybe there's a few chops and change and whether you know he's but but then the day's training with him so he should yeah he should know the guys in front of him what their strengths and so on but yeah, I mean, I don't know him personally. I've not met him personally, so I don't know. He's, he's, you know, at the end of the day, you can be six foot eight or whatever, but if you're quiet and you don't have that sort of person to get out there, personality, sorry, that might, you know, might be a difference to the defenders as well. But, you know, that's what, for me, if I was coaching personally, I'd be saying to him, he should be coming for everything all day long. You yeah. can't catch everything or come for everything. I appreciate that. But, you know, he should be dominating that certainly six to eight, eight yards or so where, you know, they don't get sniffed. Sniffing yeah, players, exactly. putting your ball in the box like that. But again, you know whether that's a little bit of confidence at the moment that that might be it. But also, I don't think. Again, I think that's come on in football for the last few years that defenders seem to defend so deep now, and it's almost like there's no room for a goalkeeper to come from across. It's, it's, it's very bizarre. Some of the goals are going, you know, keepers get hammered for, but they can't. You know, when they've got players coming across them. You can't dive for the one that goes in the corner until you know it's going in the corner. You see what I mean? Yeah. Um, it, it just seems with the defense. We, we always used to work a massive thing of all the 18 yard line as long as possible. To, a, to give me space to work in myself. But obviously, if they're hitting shots from obviously further than that or heading further than 12, 18 yards, you know, you've got half a chance of saving things. If they're heading things from six yards, you know, you've actually got no chance. So it is an, a, a, you know, an obvious thing to do. But Defenders now seem to be so deep. You know, some of the goals that go in, and, and you just think, well, you know, what could the keeper do any you know, more? Because he's got no room to work at it. So, I think I think it's a combination, of a bit of everything there. I, I wouldn't say obviously he's got the ability. We know that from the last year, you know, couple of years. But 
something's just lacking a little bit, whether, as I say, the confidence and um, his, his teammates perhaps as well. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go on to some questions from Ooh, It's a Corner. The first one he wants to know, and uh, I think this is following up from being a Saints fan and having had Bruce Grobler as our goalkeeper before. Were, were you ever approached for a bung or, or to throw a match or ever approached <laughs> no, by the I'll, shadier I'll, side not, of things? No, not personally. Um, there is one, there's one, this is on League, actually, Kidderminster, where what our striker got, would you please, um, offered something not to score saw several goals or something because he was on fire at the time I heard about that literally a couple of weeks later but that was something many years ago but not personally no no never never nothing that, um, anything like that yeah you might think otherwise if I've had a few goals but no <laughs> obviously not <laughs> yeah um, and another question he asks is um, you know did you ever want to kind of swear or kick a bottle of water into the supporters behind behind the goal who are kind of giving the uh, we'll, we'll do an inverted commas of banter you know and which away supporters were the worst to have you know behind the goal for you um, no I don't no, I don't do anything like that I mean to be fair I always went the other way I tried to have a laugh with the supporters at the end of yeah. the day because I just thought well it's no good me if I'm getting upset with them and you, you, I just think it takes everything away what you're trying to do and, uh, as, as much as Obviously, I'm concentrating the game. There was times when the ball went behind, you'd have a laugh. But I, I remember, I think, one of the first, we played at Ellen Road against Leeds. And the first time I went there with, with Saints, and I run down towards the their end, I can't remember, the main cop end as such. And they started applauding me. I thought, oh, that's nice. So I applauded back, and they all sort of booed and drifted at me. They said, oh, you wanking, all that. Yeah. And I thought, oh, hang on a minute. This is like... So, of course, the next season I went down, uh, run out that way, and they started doing it again. And I, I went to clap, but I didn't. And they, they started laughing, do you know what I mean? So, all yeah. of a sudden, if you if you swing around the other way, you know, it's almost like, ah, I got you there, you know, because they they're sort of, I know it says death, but you sort of have a more of a, have a rapport that way than, than oh, they're feeling blind. I mean, people used to say things disgusting. You can't say things on that. <laughs> <laughs> on anything what they used to say but I just used to laugh you know I mean it's just that was just the way it was you know and and, and is it's a problem I'm sure it is still now but now for, for me it was just a matter of just try and smile and, and have a laugh with it and take the other way yeah and um old Nick uh has picked out one of his favorite memories that you're involved in he says what what your memories of Delhurst Park as we called it you know when Saints took nearly you know, filled nearly half of Selhurst Park oh, with supporters yeah. in that relegation so that, survival season. That was Wimbledon, Wimbledon wasn't it? Yeah, Wimbledon, yeah. wasn't it? Um, yeah, actually, I'd, I think I'd only come back. Um, actually, it might be my first game back after I had a twinge in my back originally. And I'd, um, I missed a couple of games and Neil had played, Mossy had played a couple. And I was coming back in for that game. And uh, I mean, it was brilliant. I have to say, the, the full side of Sellers Park was full of Saints. And for, for the players, when we were announced, obviously, you don't, as much as you've heard, that, you know, there's going to be a fair amount of Saints supporters. But when you come out and after, virtually half the grounds full of your supporters, it was like, wow, you know what I mean? It was just amazing that the boys were insane in the change room. You know, we can't let these fans down. They've come all this way, obviously, paid the money. I say all this way, but, you know, to support us like that, you know, you can see how much it means to them. And as, as much as we want to stay in the Premier League as players, you know what I mean? You, you see what it, uh, what it meant to the supporters. So it, it was just awesome. I think I played quite well as well. We won 2 0, didn't we? So, and obviously, that'd be Everton at home, but it sort of turned out that we won that 2 0. And then 
Um, I think Charlton lost anyway, didn't they? So we yeah. got five points, finished five points above. But yeah, you know, that, that that was amazing. Obviously, that, that, that atmosphere was, was incredible. You know, to virtually, I know we had one more game to go, but beating Wimbledon, we sort of knew that we're pretty much we're, we're pretty much safe as such. You know, not mathematically, but you know, we still have to do a job against Everton. But it, it was it, it was tremendous tremendous day that. And um, another one here from one of our listeners, Alex McInnes, wants to know who is your favourite uh, centre back to play behind. Yeah, um, I think I mentioned Klaus. Klaus, uh, obviously, London Van was Klaus is pretty much with me all my career, and I think he's I think pretty much Klaus is one, if not of the, of the two, all the time. Really, um, you had Cameron Cow originally, and then obviously Dean Richards is, is a tremendous player. Um, you know, unfortunately, obviously he passed away a few years ago now, but he he, he should have been playing for England really in the day. Yeah. But unfortunately, well, I think the Tottenham song, but he, he was brilliant. But I think I think overall Klaus was it was just. I mean, the only thing about Klaus, I mean, he, he could be magnificent or he could have a a funny five minutes. But I, th- I think the, the the fans would realise that. And you know, nine times out of ten, he was brilliant. Do you know what I mean? He was great. He was just pretty quick, very quick for centre half at that time. And just um, a lovely lad as well, you know. It, it was just just tremendous, you know. And obviously, over the years he'd been at Saints, he, he'd been a brilliant player for me. Yeah, I don't, thinking about that, actually, you've had some some really great players in that, you know, Ken Moncow, Klaus, Michael Svensson. Yeah. Um, well, Mike. Yeah, of course, Michael. So I never really played a lot with Michael because yeah. at the time Anthony was playing, and then Michael got injured when I got back in, and then I uh, left. So I never, as much as obviously I saw him train and so, but unfortunately Michael had a quite bad knee injury, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and not many, you know. If you think over, you know, the six, seven seasons I was there, as I say, it was Ken, Klaus, um, Dean, and then Michael came in. So, yeah, there wasn't that many. Were, you know, some some clubs ended up having five or six, seven different different centre-halves. I mean, Klaus was pretty much just one of them, and then one of the others slotted in at the time. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, I was very very lucky, and not, and really, Dodgy was pretty much my right back, and between Bridgie and Franny was, was left back. So, you know, if you think over the time, we, we had a pretty much stable sort of back five, including myself, yeah. you know, around that time. So, which I think certainly helps. I mean, most, I mean, now clubs swap and change and it must be difficult, you know, going back on Fraser again, you know, each week you're playing with a different set of half or different defence at the time. It can be very difficult. Yeah, I, d- I th- look at the current predicament with um, Southampton's uh, defending this season, and it looks like the squad rotation and injuries and you know players wanting transfers that we haven't really had a settled, you know, back four oh, or no. partnership. And you That's look at right. I, you know thinking of that game that you were at, the game against Brighton, and you had um, we were left with Cedric Suarez, our short little. Portuguese right That's back right. marking Glenn Murray and it just think you know right. who's organizing that defense yeah. that that that's yeah. got to be a case of you know things have gone wrong with the organization with the you know that you end up in that sort of situation that's right that's right um I wonder Paul who's your goalkeeping hero if you have one yes I did I, I'm again going back to Liverpool fan as a boy is Ray Clements I mean Ray was just um, not that I used to watch him much because we didn't we didn't have a TV as a kid which sounds a bit daft now doesn't it but originally so I used to listen on the radio um, a lot so obviously the mid 70s late 70s when we were winning European Cups and so on um, but but Ray was my sort of my, my big one uh, at that time and then um, a little bit later on obviously Neville Southall with Ian Welsh and obviously um, being a top keeper as well 
and Nev sort of come and went sort of Ray finishing because um, you know, and unfortunately I took over from Neville Southall for the, the Welsh goalkeeping spot, so that was pretty awesome. And I know Ray Clemens very well now. Over the years, we've been to different things and golf things and so on, and yeah. he's a lovely guy. So you know, I'm very fortunate to sort of meet you here and. He's such a nice guy as well because sometimes you meet your heroes and you're not sure. <laughs> I think maybe not. He's not, you know. But um, they're, they're the sort of main two, certainly. For me. Yeah. And um, are there any goalkeepers playing now that you look at and you, you think, wow, you know, they're they're a really fantastic keeper. I'd love to have you know um, played with them or seen them in action. Yeah. I, yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean. As I say, I, don't, I must admit, I don't watch a lot of football now. It actually bores me. I know it sounds daft, but <laughs> I just, as I said, I mentioned it earlier. I mean, the last couple of years, I just find this keep the ball going backwards, sideways, back to the keeper, sideways, back foot. It's just, it does my head in. So I must admit, I don't watch a great deal now. And, and, it's, and when I do watch it, I get frustrated because, you know, they use the feet and so on. But I think, obviously, I think I think the ball at United is, is probably the day, is, is probably the best, I think, in the Premier League. I think I think he's you know when he first came in he, he did look like a boy you know he looked, he looked very tiny and got battered a bit but to be fair to him he came back fantastic and you know uh, you know is probably you know has been and is probably the best keeper in the Premier League for the last year or so I think a like year or two. Um, and he, he decided, and he has an interesting method as well, doesn't he? Because he uses his feet a lot more than than most goalkeepers I've noticed. Yeah, it, it, for, for saves, I mean, which is quite odd. Yeah, I mean, he does. I mean, yeah, I, I don't quite get it. I don't, I don't quite get what I said the feet thing. I can understand if they're coming through and something's hit, you know, from six yards or whatever. You don't have time to react to get your hands down low. But yeah, but I do find that there's a lot more, you know almost diving with the feet, it's, it's weird, you know. And uh, I have the bit of coaching I do do now, you know, just my local, to my local kids, you know, I shout at them when they use the feet. <laughs> Don't use it, because they, they see it on the TV and it's like, what are you doing that? But, well, as you say, dare or yeah. Fraser did that last week. Or, you know, no, use your hands first. Obviously, you know, your body is there to be used, but yeah. try and use your hands first, you know, they just try and kick it away or whatever. It's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Stop. But yeah, I think I think I think De Gea. I think I think he's been the most consistent over the last couple of years as well. You know, he's he's definitely definitely come on and just just don't make goal, goalkeeping obviously phrase about the England thing. And I think I think England's struggling. I think I think Butman's not been brilliant. Um, okay, the boy Pickford's done okay at Everton. Obviously, phrase has been left out. Um, and Joe Hart's playing big games. So you know. As much as I'm Welsh and whatever, I feel a little bit for England for the goalkeeping spot for the World Cup because there's no one really sort of saying this is my spot. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, someone needs to grab it because it'll come around very quickly. Um, so, an- another question from Bog Rice who asks: Are you still in touch with Neil Moss? Um, no, but I see Neil now and again at different bits. Yeah, and Bob's again. I must, I must admit, I think I think he's is he coaching. I remember right last time it was a little while ago I spoke to him but um, no I, I must admit the only boys I sort of see now and again is, is Matt and Franny and Dodsey different other charity events or golf events and so on yeah uh, and surprisingly as much as you know you've been mates when you're at, at, you know at the time at clubs you know you, you end up being whatever spot you're in at the, you finish your career and 
Yeah, the lads go and do the same thing. We go off and stuff. But, yeah, when we see each other, it's great. Do you know what I mean? You, know, you talk about old times and that, so there's nothing better. So, but to have a, a regular contact with a lot of the players, you, you know, you ask any of the players, it's very rarely they do, really. Yeah. Not, not the fact that they don't want to, it's just different times of whatever parts of, you know, the career they're at at the time. Yeah. No, I, I get that as well. As you get older, you see uh, your friends less for whatever reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this is kind of my silly question alert. Um, and <laughs> this comes from a man called St. Bannerman. Um, and he says, Bannerman. would you rather fight one horse-sized duck or 20 duck-sized horses? <laughs> wow, that is the one. Um one old side duck at the end of yeah. the day is only one. Don't run around after 20. <laughs> Once you got one down, you're done, aren't you? So, yeah, yeah definitely one. One, one horse side duck. One, isn't it? Yeah, it is. A, definitely. In a, he, he asked wow. Michael Svensson whether he'd rather have uh, spoons for legs or fork for, uh, forks for arms. So, you know, he's, he's got previous on his silly questions. <laughs> wow. On him. <laughs> yeah, um, it does also add, you know, big love to Jonah, one of my all-time favourites, and and I've got to mention oh, quite well, a few, oh, well. quite a few Saints fans uh, did, you know, speaking very highly of you, um, you know, when we oh, asked them to send in their questions. So um, you, you're still a fan's oh, favourite, and and you know, not surprising considering you know first choice keeper for five seasons and won a, a player of the season as well. So yeah, yeah, no, no, pretty, I say I really, honestly, my time at Saints was brilliant, you know. It really was, as I say, we, we had such a good dressing room as well, especially the first three or four years. It was amazing. And then, um, yeah, yeah, I, I, obviously, you always have different times of different times of fans or whatever, but on the majority of it, yeah, we're brilliant to me. So, yeah, I will send the love back, definitely. <laughs> brilliant. And, and any last words about the Saints for or to our listeners uh, before we well, sign Well, hopefully, uh, obviously, hope, hopefully stay up. I mean, that's the biggest part. I mean, you know, the FA Cup draw tonight to see see they're getting that which obviously beating Fulham is, as much as um, is only Fulham as such is a confidence hopefully booster and the boys will start getting some points on the ball because you know it's, it's looking pretty uh, well it's very tight down there now isn't it it's, you know there's a number of teams involved so and they'll see the next four or five games you know it's certainly an opportunity to get enough points to get away so fingers crossed um, that will happen and um, very good luck to the Hopefully the sports would be happy at the end of the season. Yeah, fingers crossed. Uh, I'd certainly like to see us get a few few more wins this season. Would would be yeah. brilliant. All right. Well, thank you very much, Paul. Um, I'm going to say Cheers, John. bye bye to our listeners, Paul. You're welcome to do the same. Yep. Yes. Bye all. Uh, enjoy. As I say, happy New Year to you all, and hopefully, uh, it'll be a happy May when Saints stay up. Brilliant. Cheers, Paul. Lovely. Cheers, John. Thanks, mate.